Welcome to the Otherworld GG Community Cast. This is episode number 57. I am what? Table for Two, and I am joined by Mellified and Alien Pickle. What's up, dudes? Hey, did you know? What? Did you know? You can now pre-order our next episode. That's right. In advance. Really? Yes, for the low fee of no dollars. <laughs> And well, it's not just wish listing it. You'll get it when it comes out. Right. Well, yeah, you just have to subscribe to the people. No, no, no special perks. Just you know. Uh, well, I, f- like I figured and, like since we were gonna, we're gonna mm-hmm. talk about the. Uh, yeah. No. So today, wish list. T- today we're gonna talk about um, pre-orders. Uh, we're probably gonna try. We're gonna try to get to maybe some Switch and some Steam Deck news. Or not necessarily news, but chat later if we've got time. But you know, in in this digital age that we've come to, the idea of like a pre-order would be to like reserve your physical copy, say from like Walmart or GameStop or wherever you were getting physical copy of games from, and it would you know it ensure that you got this right. Like the they would they would put your name down on the list and it would ensure that your copy came in. And then when you got it, like when it came in, then you would pay you know, whatever the remaining fee was like, you know, GameStop notoriously was like five bucks to put down on a game or whatever it was. And then like when it came in, you know, they would apply that $5 to your purchase and you just pay the rest of the balance and off on your merry, merry way. That is, that is traditionally how I've bought most of my collector's editions of games that used to come out, you know, before you could just buy them online or order them online as part of some pre-order thing, they would just ship it right to you. Um, you know, I used to go to GameStop and get, you know, special editions of, you know, enter game name here um, to get it. I think, uh, you know, I think as, as the years gone on, I've gotten special editions of games through uh, an online purchase from, you know, said game games website. Right. Like that's where I think, you know, a lot of times I would get them. Well, like I remember getting Diablo three, the original Diablo three uh, special edition from GameStop. I pre-ordered it from GameStop uh, to make sure to get the physical, you know, box. But you know, we're we're in this kind of weird digital world now where you can still quote pre-order something, and you'll oftentimes, you know, you can get like maybe a pre-order bonus where you get like some piece of content or some piece of cosmetic blotty blah as part of the pre-order but what does the pre-order actually do in a digital world other than maybe give you perks like where's the advantage to the pre-order like is it to pad the numbers of people's interests that's the thing that i just don't fully understand at this point now, if it was for a lot of exclusive content or some kind of exclusive thing that'd be one thing but so many times I've seen pre-orders where you get the pre-order stuff and then like later you can buy the pre-order stuff if you didn't get in on it or they, right. they offer it as some kind of like a DLC later or they get, they come out with like the ultimate edition. And it's got all that stuff in there and it's just like, well, then what was the point of me pre-ordering this beforehand? Uh, well, just, you got it for free. I mean, you didn't pay three, five bucks or whatever. Sure. I, I mean, I suppose that's true. Um, because that kind of that also kind of comes with the territory. Pre-orders are also I almost I almost want to say they're maybe the you know the same side or the, the other side of the same coin as like day one DLC. It's kind of like you know mm. well what was the point of that? Like if if this is coming out the same day as the game's release, then why didn't I just get this with the game? You yeah. know, but you know clearly you were working on it all at the same time, and when I download and install it, I have all these assets here. They're just not unlocked to me, but. You know, so well, I mean, like, what do, what do you think? Well, I want to go back to something you were talking about earlier with the physical discs and, and collector's editions and stuff. I got um, really burned uh, and got really upset uh, when I would pre order stuff at GameStop, right? And they would get a limited number of whatever tchotchke collectible you know thing for a game so they might have 20 pre-orders of that but the store only gets five of the the whatever and it's first come first serve 
except the employees, there was a faceplate back in the 360 days before they did the slim, the red ring one, the Xbox had a faceplate that was removable and you could put on different ones. Mm -hmm. And I remember so clearly, I I don't remember the game, but I remember that the pre-order bonus was a faceplate. And there were five of them that were unique. So there were five different faceplates. You would randomly get one when you pre And I went into my GameStop, having pre-ordered the game. I went in first thing in the morning, you know, my lunch break, I think. It was. And they're like, oh, well, the first guy who came in wanted them all. Gave him all five. Got. We only got one of each. And he wanted them. So we gave them. What? The actual F? Like, are you kidding me? I pre-ordered. And you guys gave away the bonus that I was supposed to get. And and I was just done with GameStop, with pre-ordering. I mean, I I would could go on a rant here about GameStop. I'm not a fan. But yeah. that was that at that point was when I was like, I'm not doing this anymore. I will just buy the stuff from Amazon and have it show up at my doorstep. And even if I don't get it on day one, because they, you know, at that time Amazon wasn't always getting mm-hmm. it there, you know, the first day, mm-hmm. I was just like, I, I forget it. It's not worth it. And so yeah, that's I, when I stopped. I was out with stuff where it's like, oh, pre-order the game from here and you get this character. But if you pre-order it from the other store, you get a different character. Yeah, I yep. was never and, I was never a fan of that kind of stuff, too. And it, it always seemed to be the console stuff that suffered that more than anything, because, you know, the PC versions of things were always modding that shit back in anyway. But like. Yeah, I think I I think I got done with GameStop um at one point too when it was just like it was getting more and more ridiculous. I think what what was really bothering me was when it they became more focused on what was current on the console realm. Uh they 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 used to do pre-orders a lot of PC stuff, but you know, depending on where you were, you know, some GameStops didn't even deal with PC stuff or sell PC stuff. And that's where, you know, my, my, the majority of what I was interested in was more, more on PC. Cause mm-hmm. I remember, I remember when I was in high school, I had built up quite the console collection and I decided that I was done with consoles for a little while. So I went to a GameStop and took all of my consoles and traded it in for store credit and was able to buy like tons of PC games. And this was back in like 2005, by the way. So this was, you know, this was when GameStop was still doing okay, in, in my opinion. But, like, um, that in-store credit was what I was able to then, like, you know, pad my PC collection of stuff pretty well because they were still dealing with big-box PC games. And we're talking, like, the big-box PC games, too, before they started, like, downsizing them to, like, those little DVD-sized boxes or whatever that they had. And so, you know, that's how I got Star Trek Armada 1 and 2. That's how I got, like, some of my Elite Force stuff. That's how I got... You know, a bunch of different games because they had them on the store shelf at the time. But you know, with with pre-ordering, I think pre-ordering today needs to to take kind of like a re-evaluation process and really make it like more enticing for people. There's some stuff that I might pre-order where I just I I've I've got enough information, I've got enough interest, I've got enough like know-how that I'll pre-order some digital copy just because I'm curious about maybe some um, exclusive content that they might have, or, um, maybe I can pre-order it because I'm going to get a discount on it. I think, um, is it green man gaming is pretty notorious with putting out, uh, discounts of new games as they first come out. So you can buy the game at like, you know, 5% off or something like that. You save yourself a few bucks. Yeah. I'd like to know how they do some of those deals, man, because like some of those games day one, they're doing like 15, 20% off. And, and it's like, huh? But they, but the person selling the game, like they don't put it for that on Steam. But if you go to Green Man specifically, they get that deal. Well, and I'll tell you, uh, well, so two things. One, Humble Bundle. If you subscribe to Humble Choice, you get twenty percent off almost everything in their store. Period. Like everything, whether you know if it's already on sale, you still get twenty percent off the sale price. So that's why I keep my Humble Choice subscription you know, beyond just the value of the games I get every like the discount. But um, specifically what you're talking about is goes back to something we actually talked about our, on our last show, which is Steam refund. Because now 
if you buy it on Steam day one at full price and you decide you don't like it and you return it, it actually costs the developer money. But if you buy it at Green Man, then you can't There's return no it. Right. Yeah. So they're giving you the uh, can't refund it incentive. Yep. Yep. So it's like it's like a hotel. A lot of hotels thing where if you prepay no refund, it's a much cheaper price than if you do a normal reservation. And it's kind of the same deal with uh, with PC games. Um, and it's you know I there are certainly times where I've purchased something from a third party reseller. And wished I could have returned, right? Mm. But I saved 20% on that game by not doing that. And the developer still made 10% more than if I had refunded, right? Because they would have lost 30% to Steam for the, the refund penalty. Yeah, that's so. definitely that's definitely an interesting like uh position to be in with those kinds of things. I you know, I just think that, you know, the with you know, I was, I was, you know, we, so let's, let's actually talk about this. So I recently got a switch and one of the things that I noticed right away going online and looking at the eShop and stuff like that is every first party title from Nintendo is $60, every one of them. And I was like, this game's already been out for like five years, still $60. Right. Like if and- Nintendo put out Bejeweled. It would be sixty bucks. No, 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 no. no. Like, if if it, we're talking about we're talking about first party. Well, that's what I'm saying. If they made a game that was as simple, as simplistic as Bejeweled, it would still be a sixty dollar game. I mean, well, probably because I look at looking looking through there because anything that's not from Nintendo was like much lower prices. So like all these like third party games, they were at much lower prices than Nintendo stuff. But like we're talking about like Mario Odyssey, still sixty dollars. You're looking at the complete like um, uh, Breath of the Wild with uh, the DLC is like eighty bucks, but if you just get Breath of the Wild, still sixty dollars. I mean, well, you. I, I'm pretty sure Nintendo did uh, Captain Toad Treasure Tracker at forty, not sixty. That was one of their uh, rare. Non- uh, and that's okay. Price and, that, and that's fair, but I mean, we're talking about like most of most of their first most of their first party games are like. I mean, any oh, of their correct. Mario games, the the Rabbit, mm-hmm. Rabbit and Mario crossover game, still sixty dollars. Mario Kart, still sixty dollars. Like the, the difference, the Rabbit Mario v Rabbit go on super discount. Like I've seen it eighty percent off. And I, oh, that's not. I wasn't. I wasn't saying that they don't go on discount. Count. I'm well, just no, saying. Well, no, but I was like, going to. But the Nintendo stuff, even on discount, is like still forty. The most that they will discount it is thirty three percent. Right. It's really have, it's really strange to go in and see these games that are like this still this expensive in their exclusive store and I think you know it's 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 funny that like you know they say that you know console makers don't make money off the console they make them off the games and I was like Nintendo sure as hell is living up to that name for sure um like there's there's no doubt there but you know cuz like I've I've jumped on I don't think I have bought a physical copy of a game for my Xbox One X. Mm. Um, I don't even think I I own. I'll have to look into my inventory, but I think, you know, I can't think of a, of a game that I own that is specifically exclusive to like the Xbox One. Maybe Halo Five, but that's like the digital version of Halo Five. I have, mm-hmm. I have, because because of you, Mellified, you gifted me three physical copies of um, uh, three different games there. I Those were the only physical PlayStation 4 games that I own. Mm-hmm. And I own one physical Nintendo Switch game. So, you know, so much stuff has gone into this digital era. So the point I was trying to get at is, is Nintendo is selling these games digitally for $60. You can also go and buy the physical game for $60. So my question then becomes, what's the difference? Like, you you know, I I get the physical Um, copy. I can probably, like, you know, trade around with, like, my friends or family members. But, like... So the digital copy comes with the DRM that is... Nintendo's version of what's uh, PlayStation and Xbox have had for a while now. 
which is you have a home console and anyone playing on your home console can play anything that you've purchased digitally. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then you can be on a second switch signed into your account and play anything you've bought digitally on your account. Mm -hmm. So essentially when you buy a digital copy, you're getting two copies. Now, Microsoft and Sony do not do any validation of what you are playing. So you can play the same game twice at the same time, including multiplayer against each other Mm -hmm. with one purchase, which is a big deal um, if if you have somebody else that you're playing with. Nintendo does an online check. So... What you have to do is on the home console, put it in offline mode, and then you can play any of the single player stuff and it won't go check in with Nintendo servers. Hmm. But like if we were game sharing or you and your wife were game sharing, right? And you, you had uh, Mario Odyssey and you both wanted to play. If you were both online, it would actually pop up on her screen. If you purchased it and say, sorry, you know, you can't play this right now. Yeah, that's, um, that's weird. Yeah, well, and so ultimately, if you, Nintendo has, un, you know, essentially driven down the value of the, it used to be you were getting two for the price of one, in a, in a sense, versus the physical, where it was a thing you had to hand to somebody if they wanted to play it, and so there was only really one copy that you have active at a time. And so Nintendo's, like, tried to make the digital stuff behave the same way as the, the physical. Well, and I guess for what it's worth with the physical stuff, there's a chance that you could probably get it for cheaper depending on what's going on. Like you might you you might be able to find a physical copy at like a garage sale. You could probably find a physical copy like at a store that's like on some huge sale in the store. A lot of times though, again, you will not see it below $40 for those first party titles even on sale at a physical store. Yeah, that is that is just wild to me. I, and that's um, and I guess that's what I'm getting at is just like there used to be, you know, the advantage of buying physical was you got extra perks, like you got extra things. There was maybe like a game manual or something. Mm. But like when when they're still selling physical stuff that costs the same price as the digital and you're not really getting anything, there's no added value. That's when I begin to like question what's the point? You know, what's the point yeah, of the, well, the, some of the physical media stuff? Because I, I will point out that some of that physical media stuff, when you get the game, you put the cartridge in and there's no game on it. It goes and there's a code in the box right. that you go put in and you download the game. The, the cartridge is effectively just copy protection. Right. That's yeah. or, or it's got like, you know, a very um, God, there was one of the games that had like. One well, game on the cart, but it was a trilogy. Oh, it was the, the Nintendo All Stars. Only one of those games, if I remember correctly, was actually on the cartridge. The other two you had to download. Yeah, the, the, the other the other interesting uh, um, thing with that is with my PlayStation. So now that I've got this PS4, I've I've got three three physical disc games that I'm installing locally on the machine, but I still have to have <laughs> the disc in the machine in order yep. to play it. And I was like, what is this, 1998? Like... Like this feels like you know installing games you know off a disc onto a PC except for I don't I can't use some like no CD hack like <laughs> yeah know, yeah you know well, like yeah, in the 360 era right it was playing off the disc so right. sure you know that made sense and it was a feature late in the 360s life where you could copy the disc to your hard drive you still had to have the disc in but it would run it off the hard drive for better performance right and then that became the standard with the Xbox one and, and PS4. You had to install it to the hard because the CDs were so slow or the DVDs were so slow. They wanted to bump up the minimum performance, but yeah, I mean, it's crazy. The disc is just copy protection at that point. Yeah. Um, which is, you know, it's a thing. Um, the other thing I was going to say with the physical switch cartridge, you do get the cartridge, which is very tasty if you put it on your tongue. Oh yeah, that that all whatever. Yeah, that's that was yeah. such a that was such a goofy like situation. But that just but, got Jessica Chobot like right out. <laughs> um, but no, you know it's 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 fun it's fun being able to now kind of be in this market because 
you know, for, for the longest time, I used to be a really diverse gamer across the board with Nintendo and Sony and, um, uh, Microsoft. Well, I guess, I guess for the longest time I was primarily like a Nintendo Microsoft PC kind of person. I really never delved into the PlayStation market when it was live. Like I always, like I got, a, I got a PS1 and a PS2 way after the era of the PS1 and PS2 were done. Um, I never owned a PS3. I've never had, I've never physically had a PS3 in my possession. Uh, I think I've only ever seen or touched a PS3 once. Um, and then, you know, I'm, I've, I've just recently picked up a PS4 and that that's also not even like a PS4 pro. So, I mean, like I'm definitely in like a few generations, uh, removed from what's current with PlayStation, but it's fun being back into like all three of the, the categories again and kind of seeing how they handle things. Um, the pre-order, the pre-order situation though, is still just goofy to me. And I, and I miss the days of the physical stuff because when you used to buy, even before like collector's editions, like back in the, in the mid nineties there, when you would buy games, they were, or even late eighties or early nineties, mid nineties, you buy games, they came with stuff. You were getting diagrams and posters and uh, manuals that had like bits of lore in them that you could read and, you know, all kinds of stuff. Um, and then it kind of started shifting to where you started getting more of that stuff only in like a collector's edition. So you paid like an extra like 10 to 20 bucks and you got the collector's edition that had all this extra goodies and fun stuff in it. And slowly but surely it became like digital collector's editions where you get like digital versions of a thing or like the digital art book or the soundtrack or the whatever. You know, I've got so many soundtracks on Steam, but I've never like touched them. Um, yeah. And I forget. Steam. You know, I, and I for, and I, I forget that it's there. Like I forget that I have all this music, and it's not like it's bad music. It's just like I forget that I have that because it's digital, and it's just not something that I'm used to. I I just have no real interest in it most of the time, so I would rather it not. I don't pay for extra for it generally. Um, it sometimes comes with like a deluxe edition that has some extra, you know, in game actual game content. So I'll end up with them occasionally. But yeah, the soundtracks. Uh, that would be something like if I pre-ordered, I got the soundtrack for free. That might be interesting. Um, but as it is, having worked for a publisher uh, who made a lot of money off of, made up their living off of Steam, really, um, any DLC that you can add and then bundle helps your ongoing revenue stream because people will look at hey, you just released a new DLC for my game, but I can get the complete your set bundle for a you know 20% discount. And that includes the soundtrack. I don't really want the soundtrack, but by bundling it, it create, it's a psychological trick to get people to pay the extra money for something they don't actually want. Right. Right. So... At any rate, it's it's interesting. Like I I feel like the soundtrack on Steam is a bit of a scam, considering it's in the game that I already. And if I were motivated, I could go into the game files and rip the soundtrack out myself. Mm -hmm. Well, like, it, yeah, and that and that's true. And I and I kind of wonder, like, it made it made me want to ask you. So you run a Homeplex server. Um, you've, you've got your, you've got your backed up movies and TV shows on your Plex server and your music on there. And I was actually going to ask you, have you ever thought about taking any of your digital soundtracks for games and putting them on that as like a central? I have. The problem is Plex very heavily relies on its, um, backend database of media. So it has a database of every TV show, every episode of every TV show. It has a database of every movie. Um, and I say every, right? Air quotes, right? They're, they try. Um, and music is the same thing. It tries to match any music you put in there against this database so it can cover art and, and you know, liner notes uh, equivalent. If you remember old albums, they would have liner notes about the band, about the, the album. Um, it tries to pull in all that stuff. Well, it doesn't know anything about any of the. 
So you put a game soundtrack in there and sure, it'll put the files in there, but they're not even named properly a lot of times or whatever. So it's it's a lot of manual effort to go in and curate that correctly, if that makes sense. That, yeah, that that does make sense. And that's also strange that that's the case. Uh, I'm actually a little surprised to hear that, to be honest with you. Um, I, I tried I tried a, a few different um, times to put stuff in there and it just it had no idea what I was doing, fortunately. So so looking into my Steam right now, I've actually got 47 soundtracks in here. I didn't even realize I had this many. Um, mm. And looking through, I've actually got like Stellaris's soundtrack. And while I've always kind of bitched and complained about Stellaris, I will say the music of Stellaris is really good. Um, mm-hmm. So that's so that's an interesting thing. That's something that I find I find fascinating. That like if I I because I do I'm actually I'm actually someone who enjoys, uh, game music. Game music. I, I you know I I find myself listening to uh, Wow's soundtracks, for example. Um, I I've I've been playing Tunic a lot lately, and I've been I found their whole. I guess they put out their whole soundtrack for free on YouTube. And so I've been I've been listening to that soundtrack because the music the the game Tunic is a vibe unto itself, and the music is uh just really um it like kind of puts me in the right mindset I guess but like you know when I'm when I'm trying to focus on stuff it's just kind of nice background music to have, um so I've always been a fan of like game soundtracks I think um Sea of Thieves has a pretty decent uh game soundtrack but that's a that's a hard one to get a hold of because there's not like an official like soundtrack for it. Mm. <laughs> At least mm. not that I've seen. Mm. Um, Eve Online's notoriously had like a lot of really good music. Um, I think you know, I think any anybody who's ever played uh, Eve, as soon as you hear "Below the Asteroids," it's just like you immediately know what that is. It's like pretty, like you hear that and you're like, "Oh, that's Eve!" Like <laughs> you know, without a doubt. Um, yeah. Well, good music should do that. It it should be distinctive. It should draw you in. It should emote the the game and the world that you're you're going into. Um, the the other I, thing, the other thing, I, too, know. I know we've kind of turned this topic a little bit into music. The other thing that I appreciate about sometimes with game music is like you have these artists who kind of take traditional like game music and then like lo-fi or hip hop fi it, mm-hmm. um, and and uh, the the menu music. For um, the Wii, for example, I think is a pretty notorious one that I've remembered hearing people take and kind of like put a beat to it. And (laughs) you're like, oh, Mm. this is actually really interesting. Um, um, So... So pre-orders, I feel like if if they're if if pre-orders are to exist, they really need to exist in in the light of offering something that is really of value, um, something something not necessarily physically tangible, but like tangible enough. Um, mm. Well, I think I think a discount, right? Ten percent seems like a good a good discount day one or mm-hmm. as a pre-order bonus. Mm-hmm. Um, give me. You know, a, a three buck, five buck DLC pack uh, of some cosmetics or something fun to kind of get me started. Uh, those are the things that usually get me. Um, I will also pre-order those sometimes because I know I'm going to want to and I want to preload. Um, yeah, that that's that that's a that is a good one. Like I I know that there's been a couple of games where I've done that for one one particular game I'm keeping my eye on. Is that new Stargate game uh, from Slytherin? I, I'm such a huge fan of Stargate that there's probably a good chance that I'm just gonna purchase it outright whenever it comes out, or like if whenever whenever the buy button becomes available, mm-hmm. you know, you know, just like pre-order this now. So, yeah, Slytherin has an interesting habit of putting stuff on their store on their website mm. first and mm. holding it back from Steam for three months. And if you oh. buy it on their store, you will get a Steam key when it comes out on Steam. But you basically have to do like an old school standalone installer and and manually patch it for three months. Interesting. Um, I've I ran into that with uh war one of the Warplan uh games, I think it was. Um and 
uh oh gosh i can't think of the name of it it was like a post-apocalyptic strategy game super super in-depth and i can Mm. picture it i just can't think of the name it'll come to me but anyway i they've done that a few times lately that i've noticed i don't know if it's a it's a policy or it just sort of happens that way or it's like their version of early access but uh they definitely do that from time to time Mm. um and so that's like a form of pre-order too, I suppose, right? You're buying it at full price from them directly. You're not paying 30%. Yeah. Well, you know, and uh, I pre-ordered back in the day when SWOTOR was in beta um, and, I, and I got to play the beta. I actually pre-ordered the collector's edition and then canceled it because I just wasn't sure I was going to actually play the game long term mm. moving forward. Well, mm. years later, um, I actually did. I, I eventually got the base game, but years later, I found a an, uh, a sealed copy of the collector's edition on uh, on Amazon for like I think it was like eighty bucks, and still had the the key intact and everything. And I was able to actually apply the key to my account and unlock all the collector's edition stuff on my account. And then I also had all the physical stuff too, because it came with a you know Amalgus statue and an art book and all that other stuff. And I like that kind of stuff. I like the the gaming, you know, stuff. But it was just funny how like at one point I almost bought the pre order for the collector's edition, and then I was just like, oh, you know, well, I guess I can live without that one. And then years later, I see it for eighty bucks, <laughs> and I was like, you know, eighty bucks for this thing being out for as long, you know, people aren't trying to. Um, gain any That's, high value from yeah. it you know they're not I was, scalping it right it was actually it was actually really cool and i've actually you know bought a, f- a few uh collector's editions that way of some games just because i found it for really cheap i uh i almost got the collector's edition for titanfall one but after playing after playing through it i really i was so thankful that i didn't because of just how uh, unfortunate that game was but i've i've been considering trying to get my hands on a copy of the collector's edition now just because that statue is so freaking cool mm-hmm. but they're like 300 and something dollars so yeah, i was gonna like, say i think the, the coder one goes for uh 300 ish now mm-hmm. uh for sealed uh yeah version. well and i and i missed i missed the buck on the wings of liberty starcraft 2 collector's edition i I, I didn't have the money to to buy it at the time, so I wasn't able to get mm. the collector's edition. But I did get Heart of the Swarm and Legacy of the Void collector's editions. And then years later, I found an unopened copy online of uh, StarCraft II Wings of Liberty for a pretty decent price, and was able to finally get that. But it kind of makes you realize that if you don't if you don't pre-order some of these things now, and you really want it later, uh, you might be paying a heftier price <laughs> for some of those things, which you know, definitely kind of makes the pre-order stuff worthwhile, but only if it's going to add some kind of a, of a tangible value more than just the game that you're probably going to digitally download anyway. So I, yeah, I'm trying to remember. Um, there was something I pre-ordered recently, a collector's edition, and they actually emailed me a key for it. Um, so I got the the physical stuff from the collector's edition but the actual game came as a digital download Mm. um it was included but you know um that was kind of interesting i'm trying to remember what it was now well was that from um oh what's that site uh what what's the what's the one that does like the reselling the well not the reselling of keys but they do um limited run limited run games yeah it was not them i don't oh no maybe it was maybe it was now that you say that anyway it it doesn't really matter i mean the the point being um certainly the collector's editions are uh a bit of a gamble right Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. sometimes they're super cool sometimes not so much the fallout 77 notoriously had uh, a few issues with the quality stuff included in yeah, the um, the not canvas the not canvas bag or whatever it was. Yeah, that yes. was yeah. That was that was pretty bad. That was that was a really unfortunate scenario, and I I feel I feel for a lot of people that that went through that because it was just like this is why physical collectors editions can be uh, rough. Most of the time, you know, they're not too bad. Like I've got the Swotor one. I've got the three Starcraft ones. I got both Diablo three ones because the the expansion. 
I've got mm-hmm. like an Eve Online Second Decade Collector's Edition. Now that was mm-hmm. really slick because that came with a model of one of the ships from the game as a USB hub, um, mm. which was really cool. But even if you don't use it as a USB hub, it's just a cool ship to display. Um, yeah. And then it also came out, they also had a copy of one of CCP's like original games they did that was a board game before they made Eve. Right. And so that was kind of like, you can't really buy that anywhere. Um, so that, that mm. was a cool thing. And then of course I also got like Guild Wars 2's collector's edition, but this was, this is during the time where like you could start getting them online, right? Like you could just digitally buy them mm-hmm. from like Amazon or for the, the company directly. And you don't have to worry about some third party in the middle, like company kind of screwing you over. Um, yeah, yeah, well, I know I bought, I imported the triangle strategy collector's edition. I pre-ordered mm. it from Amazon UK and I ended up sending you the the cart because I bought it digitally. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've had that happen. That's actually where those PS4 games you got from me came from as well. Um, Cause I, I don't, I had already bought the game, but the collector's edition went up cheap on Amazon because they were clearing out the last ones that hadn't sold or had been, you know, canceled orders or whatever. And it was for the PS4. It just happened that that was the one that was cheap. So Mm -hmm. I bought it, but I have no interest in playing it on the PS4. I already own it on Xbox. So, um, you know, stuff like that, where there's some interesting uh, economics at play, but um the the going back to the pre-orders for a second i gotta say what what will often have me pre-ordering is on console it's it's being able to preload it um on pc it's a you know sometimes that as well but on pc i tend to get it from those third-party sites because i want to save some money and I mentioned this a couple shows ago, but I've had them fail to notify me when the game finally comes out. Mm-hmm. And that really irks me because mm-hmm. like what you can't even send me an email when I can go get my key. Um, and you kind of have to mentally track. Like I've made a point now of keeping track of all of them. And, and I have them in play night in a tag with a uh, pre-order category. So when they... Uh, I get, you can go in IMDB and it'll have the release date. So I just do anything in the future. Uh, I tag with that, that date and that, or that category. And then I can quickly pull them all up. And as they get released, I just manually remove the category and remove the game. If it, you know, gets pulled in through steam, uh, my manually created play night entry can go away. So that's like what I've found. I have to do on PC to keep track of pre-orders. Like at that point, I'd rather not even bother. You know, there's a lot of pain in the butt, but those third party sites, a lot of times only have the discount up until the game comes out or a couple weeks after the game comes out because they only have a deal with the publisher for so many keys or for so long. So they, uh, they will lose the ability to sell those games. So if you don't get it at least, you know, fairly quickly, you could miss out on the, the big discount on it. Right. I ran into an interesting thing the other day. I forget the game I was looking at, but I was looking for collector's editions of a specific game. And on the actual company's website, they were only selling digital collector's editions for the PC. And they had physical collector's editions for the PlayStation and Xbox. And I never, and they like came with all these cool things. And I was like, why? I don't understand what the point is here. Do you just think that PC players aren't interested in this stuff too? Like that's, that's where I really kind of like got confused. Like why, why would a company do like, where's the incentive there, you know, to buy the PC collector's edition. That was the same price as the other collector's editions, but I didn't get anything extra. I was like, that kind of seems rather unfortunate. Yeah. So I forget the the game. I'll have to look that up, but I was going to say, I know one of the issues that, game makers have doing the collector's editions that include the game is they have to predict okay we're going to make 5,000 or 10,000 of these collectors how many should be PlayStation how many should be Xbox how many should be PC well if they eliminate the PC then they only have to you know gauge between the the two consoles so it makes it easy 
for them, I suspect. Mm -hmm. Um, I know, you know, a few years back, it was like 50, 25, 20, 50% PlayStation, 25 Xbox, 25% PC were the multiplayer numbers, at least. Mm -hmm. So I could see where, you know, they might only, uh, want to do Xbox and, and PlayStation for those, but, um, cause you, you know, you're making them all ahead of time before the game comes out. You're just guessing essentially how many people are going to, uh, want the collector's edition, which is why some of them are so rare. Right. Um, because if you didn't pre-order it, it's just gone forever. Um, I remember the mass effect. No, um, dead space. The original dead space was one that, uh, was very, very valuable. Um, yeah. See, I, I feel like instead of it being a pre-order thing for the game, the collector edition, whatever, and you get a statue, it's just like, no, just have a have a company store, and on the side, I could buy the statue, even if mm. I don't buy the game, or whatever, right? And that way, you don't have a bunch of BS editions sitting in yeah. like Best Buy on the shelf, gathering dust ten years later. Yeah, well, that was. I don't know if you ever that seen was, that. That was the yes. un- that was the unfortunate. Yeah, I have seen that. That was the unfortunate thing with the Homeworld Remastered Collector's Edition that I almost got where. I wanted that Pride of Hagara like mothership statue, but to try and get it now, it's not worth the money. Like, and that's the that's the mm-hmm. thing that kind of frustrates me sometimes. Yeah, and I I think you're right, uh, Alien Pickle. That if if companies would uh, have it as a separate thing, but I I'm guessing you know it's not worth it to them for some reason. I don't know. It's strange. I do, I do remember uh, id Software basically did that, where uh, there was a collector's edition for the original Wolfenstein. Uh, well, I'm sorry, for Wolfenstein, the remastered version, um, which was the sequel to Return to Castle Wolfenstein, confusingly. Um, <laughs> that, one, that one had a resin statue of the dog in the game, like robot dog thing that was super scary. Yeah. Uh, you know what I would, what I would love to see? is like the old Star Wars figures where it was an action figure that was a uh, a set size, right? Hmm. And then they'd have like vehicles that were compatible sized or whatever. So if there was a like a toy company that would license video game things, so then I could just get like Fallout action figures or hmm. Doom action figures or Tekken action figures, and they're all the same scale. Right. So they'd go on the shelf with each other. Right. And it's unfortunate. Like the only people that seem to do that is like the Lego style things where you get like minifigs of whatever or the the guys that do the vinyl stuff. Uh, I forget their name. The pop. Oh, Funko Pop. The Funko Funko Pop Pop, and Nendroid is the other one. Yeah. So if it was actually like if instead of Funko Pop, goofy mm-hmm. ugly vinyl things right that it's like they're kind of all the same thing painted a little different mostly um and then but you get nfts it, right yeah so what if funko pops were nfts <laughs> kill me uh no i'm i'm just saying like if there was something else right like some some toy line that was just like hey we'll make any video game franchise that lets us Right, but they'll all be the same size and whatever figures. Or if there's like, you know, like Command and Conquer, yeah, we'll make the tanks from that as as like little matchbox tanks or something, you know, like Hot Wheels scale or or whatever. Like I feel there's a market out there. Like if they if they made every unit in StarCraft Two as some collectible matchbox size thing, people would have bought them. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and since we can't get movies anymore that are good enough to actually make toys from, then yeah. <laughs> maybe they could pivot. It's weird. It's weird. You know, speaking of speaking of that, it's weird how that industry has kind of shifted to where we used to get uh, games and like toys based off of like current movies or current whatever's out there. And like, it feels like most of that stuff gets shoved into like Fortnite or... You know, um, 
there there are exceptions. Yeah. Uh, the guy who did Spawn, McFarlane, um, not Seth, the other one. I forget his yeah. name. Todd. Todd, thank you. Uh, his toy company, I know, did uh, action figures for Cyberpunk 2077. Um, and I believe they've done a couple of other games. So there are. Yeah, it's the McFarlane rare. stuff is cool. I mean, they do a really excellent line of 40K stuff as well. I've got mm -hmm. a space brain on my shelf. I, that, yeah, I have a few of those too. Yeah, and that's that's pretty dope. Although I would buy at just about any reasonable price a uh, spawn made by Seth MacFarlane. Like if you would let Seth MacFarlane take an animated <laughs> crack at Spawn. That's uh, well, there is the HBO uh, series. Yeah, but I mean, you know, like yeah. Family Guy. Yeah, yeah. Is uh, Spawn right? Right. That would be pretty pretty wild. Yeah, imagine Peter as <laughs> Spawn. Oh God, that needs <laughs> that needs to happen as like an episode of Family. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's like, oh no, we've confused the McFarlanes. Oh my gosh, that's funny. Yes, they let the but wrong McFarlane into the studio. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. Gosh, anyway, yeah. hey, so how about how about when I was at the feed store the other day, I spotted that action figure for Donnie from New Kids on the Block hanging. I put that in the collectibles. I guess you guys didn't notice. That was a. A dank blast from the past. Still uh, new in box. New kids on the block action figures. I, I thought I didn't realize you'd actually found it like right then. I remember seeing it, but I oh, I was I just, standing there. I took that picture. Yeah. Oh my gosh, was, that's wild. Yeah, that is, that is wild. Um, well, this is. I think this is a good like opportunity where we can shift pivot for a second and talk a little bit about like you've had. We've talked about pre-orders, and we we pre-ordered the Steam Deck, both you and I. Um, mm -hmm. Your Steam Deck came in because the the ordering process was interesting. Because even though I think we ordered ours on the same day, yours was earlier in the day, and thus you got in on the the tail end of Q1, and I ordered later in the day, and it put me mid to late Q2. Uh, I wonder if I pre-ordered right now if I would get the Steam Deck too. Because <laughs> several hardware TWO, revisions between yeah, now and yeah, yeah. That's you, you are probably at least looking at 2023. I was gonna say you're definitely that. you're definitely next year if you if you order now. But so you've had about a week with yours. Now you have it's been a week with yours, uh, full yep, week. Yep. Um. So like now that you've pre-ordered it and you've got it, like what do you think? Okay, uh, where to start? Um, it before, is big. But before you begin, we do have a whole channel dedicated to the Steam Deck on our Discord, so you Ooh. can see all of Mellified's continued updates and links <laughs> and uh, modifications or whatever it is that he's doing to his deck. So come on over to our Discord yes. to check that out. But tell us. Okay, well, so, I mean, it's big. It is physically large, and I'm not saying anything that hasn't been said already i understand that but when you get it it is shockingly large um it feels almost like a i have a a um 10 keyless keyboard on my desk and it is almost as wide as that if that if that helps you picture how wide we're talking mm. Mm. um the weight is very good though it's well balanced like you don't feel fatigued holding it which is nice um the controls i know some people you know typical early uh manufacturing there's been some issues with joysticks and some things triggers mine's been great uh on that front um they just to their credit valve has been extremely aggressive about pushing out updates and there were two this week uh, mainly focused on keyboard improvements, but they also like there were issues with certain USB docks, so they tweaked the firmware so that it would initialize the USB differently to help with that issue. Apparently, mm. um, so you know I'm getting a little bit in the weeds, but like Valve's been doing a really good job of keeping it updated. Uh, we mentioned on our news show earlier or last uh, last week that you know we're up over twenty. 300 games i think it is that have been tested and 
two thirds of those are, you know, playable or val or, or, you know, perfect by valve's estimation. Hmm. Um, so that's, I mean, that's a ton of games to choose from. I think I had 500 in my fairly big library that were, uh, ready to go. Yeah, I just checked because there's actually a compatibility list you can go look up, and I, there's a lot of games that I have that are already compatible. Now, you've been doing a lot of tinkering with it, but how much like gameplay? So, how's the game? Like, have you been doing a lot of gameplay on it though, too? Or, um, I played uh mostly Jupiter Hell on it, which is a turn-based roguelike Doom game, mm-hmm. basically. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was great. Uh, just, I mean, my, I don't have great eyes. I have glasses. Um, even though my I'm allegedly corrected to 2020, I still feel like text tends to be small. Mm-hmm. Um, I've I've avoided games that have the very you know very small text warning from Valve on them because I feel like I just wouldn't even be able to read them. Um, mm. So outside of that concern, the the stuff I've like just you know dinked around with and then actually put some playing time in Jupiter Hell. It's been great. Um it just works. I mean that's at least the verified games. You just you just turn them on and play. You don't have to think about it. Now if you if you had the option to play Switch games on this, would you rather play Switch games on here or on your Switch? Um like let's say Nintendo all of a sudden decided to sell their games through the Switch. Would you rather I, play them or through the Steam Deck, excuse me. Would you rather sure, play them sure. you know, here or not? You know? um, I think I would play it on the Steam Deck just because of the larger screen. Mm. Um, it, you know, the even the uh, OLED Switch, which has the largest screen of any of the Switch models, uh, is like an inch or so smaller than the screen on the deck. Because I think the, the OLED Switch is like six inches. The one you have is five and a half inches. The OLED one is six, and this mm. is seven nice nice so so you're getting you know a bigger screen it is uh a little bit different aspect ratio than the switch though the switch is 16 by 9 so it's 720p the steam deck is 800 but it's 16 by 10 right if if i'm just like talking gibberish i apologize for those but basically the steam deck screen is not as wide as the switch screen slightly well, narrow so that and that's interesting though because i know that when you dock the steam deck allegedly you should be able to get 4k resolution on like a monitor like it, apparently it can push a 4k image sure. yes. allegedly yes yeah well i haven't tested it i to be fair i haven't tried like doing vga or uh, hdmi outer um but yes I've, I've seen people doing you know 4k desktops and things with it uh but a Pi can do a 4K desktop. That's not right. That's not hard per se. Doing game graphics, updating, you know, 60 frames a second, 30 frames a second in 4K, different story. Sure. Um, but like the verified games automatically seem to tune the graphics for the deck. Like it detects it's on the deck and it has a preset for you know medium graphics or whatever so it runs good on the steam deck the the games that are not tested yet you can still install but you're kind of on your own to figure out how to get them tuned to run well so i did try uh assassin's creed valhalla a little bit and i had to crank it you know down substantially um which actually leads me to one of my complaints interestingly uh, a lot of games do not distinguish between game settings and graphic settings when they do a cloud sync, which means my graphic settings from my desktop, which are you know running on a 3080 Ti at at you know 4K, get pushed to the Steam Deck, which cannot do ultra <laughs> ultra graphic fidelity and cannot right. do uh, some of those things. So. You know, I think I think game makers need to do a better job of sort of splitting that up where the graphics settings are machine specific, but the game settings stuff are are shared or or are synced in the cloud. Um, 
the deck steam has one of the better uh you know cloud save uh, implementations right so mm -hmm. my save games are just there when i go on the deck if i switch to the p i don't have to think about it for the most part um so that's been really good as long as i have internet obviously on the deck um what else i have been less impressed with linux mode on it it because it's got two modes it's got steam os is is what's running on it but steam os has steam mode and desktop mode and steam mode is just like a steam interface it's like you're in this oh, i just hit mic sorry um it's like you're in the uh steam client permanently you can't leave it but in desktop mode it's like linux you can run a browser you can do all that stuff Wow, that's um, nuts. And so it takes a, like a minute to switch between. And up until the update this week, there was no software keyboard or desktop mode. So you had to have a physical keyboard to do anything in mm. Linux mode. Now they've just added it, but you have to manually pop it up. It's like Steam and the X button, Steam button and the X to, to bring up the virtual keyboard. Um, mm. So there's there's a couple little goofy things like that. Uh, obviously, like I say, they just fixed that one, but it it is still Linux. It is still a P underneath it all. If you kind of go any further than just hey, I have this game that I have in my Steam library, deck certified, and I'm going to play it. If you want to do any more than that, you are going to have to get into like the Linux side of things, and that's where. Uh, the wheels probably fall off for a lot of people because it is not user-friendly particularly. So how, how's the emulation scene on it? Like, do you just go on Steam and then you install? Uh... Uh, RetroArch is on Steam. You can install it on the deck and it just works. I uh, don't know that all of the cores have been optimized for the deck necessarily, but, you know, you can at least get the, the emulators running. The, so it's um, not like I'm going to just sideload SNES 9X Linux onto it and trigger you, that out of you, Steam. You could, but you don't have to, right? It's certainly much Well, you easier. know how like Steam allows you to add non-Steam non -Steam, games? Yeah. So can I add a non-Steam executable yep. into and Steam? I've, I've done that, but you have to go into Linux, get the thing installed, and then add it as a you know third-party game to Steam. Oh. Because I figured so, maybe if it was just on the SD card, then no, I just point to the no, SD card and say no, launch but that. You, but but there is there's also the Dolphin emulator guys have also sent screenshots of Dolphin emulator working on the Steam Deck. So you just like it, with anything emulation, anything outside of like the Steam it like the Steam OS or Steam itself, you're gonna it's a lot of manual processes. It can be done though, absolutely, yes. and there are even tools there's a tool called steam rom manager i think um where it goes through scans all your roms downloads all the artwork and injects them all as third-party games in steam turns out you can break your steam client doing that because you can overload the database with too many too many games in it but um you know there is a, a scene is certainly developing around using that information it is still very young because the Steam Deck is so new, but it's built on, you know, the existing sort of uh, emulation options. Emulation Station is a front end for RetroArch, for example. There is a uh, Steam Deck specific like port of that that uh, a lot of people are really liking. Um, I know you can do like Yuzu, you sideload Yuzu, or I shouldn't say sideload because it's not. You can go into Linux, download Yuzu, and and add it and play all your Switch games that way. Um, you know, so there are definitely plenty of options. What actually my project for today is to get uh, my NAS drive with all my ROMs shared to the Steam Deck so that I don't have to put all of my ROMs on the Steam Deck. I can just play them over the network because um, I don't want to take up space on my system with with emulation stuff so um you know i'm gonna 
play around with that. But I've I've used Linux for you know twenty years, right? Like I I don't mind getting if I have to. It's not maybe my preference, but um, I can certainly get in there and do stuff. Uh, I don't think most people are are gonna want to do that. And there's a lot of bad tutorials online right now. Um, with I'm trying to think of how to say this without getting into super nerdery about Linux, but uh, Valve chose to use a system in Linux where the operating you can unlock it, and if you do that, that's fine. But is the next time your Steam Deck updates the OS, it's going to blow away everything you did because it's going to revert it back to the stock image. So you don't want to go in and do like the typical in Ubuntu, it's apt install or apt get, you know, uh, type stuff. Because if you do that, it's going to be gone. Um, there's a new thing called flat packs, which are Linux applications that come with all their dependencies built in. So it's a portable application. You just drop in and run those work great. And then it has a built-in store called the discovery store that basically downloads stuff as flat packs and installs it and manages it dates it and everything so if you stick mm. to that you're you're in pretty decent shape and you can get the heroic launcher uh that lets you install your epic store and gog store games you can get that heroic launcher heroic launcher through the discovery store you can get some of the emulators through the discovery store so there is and that's a linux thing it's not a steam or valve thing um so there are you know some options that make it a little bit easier but I just feel like the average user would want to stick to the Steam, the Valve sort of curated experience and not get into that stuff because it can get pretty uh, hairy. Now, a year from now, six months from now, I suspect it'll be one click, right? And you install, you know, you'll go and do make my Steam Deck cool and it will install 50 things and figure it all perfectly and it'll just work and, you know, you don't have to think about it but we're not there yet. So. Well, nice. Well, you guys got any final thoughts on pre-orders and stuff like that or what we've talked about today? I really want, actually, I'm going to combine our topic. I really want to know if games are Steam Deck compatible before I buy them now. And with pre-orders, Valve hasn't had a chance to test them. The developer hasn't necessarily tested them, so you don't know. So you kind of have to, you know, hope that it'll be Steam Deck compatible. Um, Valve does seem to be testing new releases, you know, pretty aggressively, but that's still after the games come out, not before. So. Hmm. Yeah, I wonder if they could actually have, like, a Steam Deck beta. It doesn't play on the PC, but if you have a deck, Mm. it's out for you, and then we force you, like only the people with Steam Decks are going to test this on the Steam Deck kind hmm. of thing. So then yeah. we'll allow access to those people or or whatever. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm sure there's some way, but um, I know the reverse is happening where people are taking the Steam OS and putting it on other handheld devices um, that currently run Windows typically so that they get the the nice UI and, and sort of curated experience of the Steam Deck on their other devices. So that's kind of interesting. Hmm. One big thing, though, is the Steam Deck is x86, right? You know, desktop-type, laptop-type processor. It's not an ARM processor that you get in a phone or a tablet. So that hmm. certainly limits a lot of the, the third-party usage of it. Interesting. Anyway, so that, yeah, I just, I mean, it's a fascinating space. I just love doing stuff. So um, I certainly am having fun with it from that perspective. But uh, yeah. I look forward to bringing it into the house with me and playing, you know, in the family room with my wife. Um, I don't have a gaming laptop. So, like, this is my gaming laptop. I can take it with me if I'm going to be out of the house. And I, I right. had to go, my wife had a, something going on i had to go with her for a couple hours and so i brought it with me then and i was having a good old time sitting in a waiting room did you get any looks uh, no but i you know there was not a big crowd and no was 
you know, paying a whole lot of attention to me. Uh, so it's like, um, hey man, where'd you get that Sega Game Gear, huh? Yeah, yeah. I really <laughs> I I was expecting somebody to actually but uh I didn't happen. I'm well, right on, guys. Well, I think that'll do it for this week's episode. Be sure to come over to our Discord and check out all of our Steam Deck chatter and our Steam Deck channel on discord.otherworlds.gg. Plus all of our other conversations. We got rooms for movies and other games, and uh, we try and do uh, gaming sessions and hangouts and community nights. So discord.otherworlds.gg for all of that and more. And we will see you guys next week. This has been episode number 57. Yeehaw.